Thank you, Olivia. Appreciate that. And thanks, Kevin, for your enthusiastic opening to our service this morning. And thank you, Noah and worship team, uh, for opening opening us up with a gospel-centered song to sing back to the Lord. Well, it is good to see everybody here. It's a little chilly this morning, but this is the season for it, right? And uh, thank the Lord we didn't have the snow and the ice that we have been having so much frequently. Well, um, today is a Communion Sunday, and this year for 2022, our Communion Sunday's services, I wanted to take a break from the Psalms and concentrate on our New Covenant Fellowship Covenant class material. Um, You know, with COVID and just different things going on, feeling kind of fragmented as a church body, and even now with different sicknesses going back and forth, it has a tendency to disconnect us. So I just thought it would be a good idea to kind of slowly work through covenant class material um, so that we can hopefully know that we're on the same page, know kind of a refresher course on why we're here, why we do what we do. So a covenant class uh, or a membership class is basically a booklet that you would be handed if you were interested in joining the church. And it can be summarized, in essence, basically what we believe. So when you're handed that booklet, it tells you what we believe, and we'll get into our doctrine in the next, in, in the coming services. But if you're going to be a part of something, you want to know what they're about. You want to know what they believe, because that helps you understand why they make the decisions that they make. So it would it would inform you what we're about doctrinally and then also how we're governed be nice to know who's in charge and how that works with the authority structure you know, what what is your basis for that kind of government government church polity they call it we'll get into that and then also the practical part of body life you know what we do when we come to church not just the, the preaching of the word and hearing the word but how we interact how we fellowship, how we speak to one another is very important to God. And we want to facilitate opportunities for us to grow in Christ. We have, we have Sunday school classes. We have worship services. We have fellowship meal, such as we will today. Uh, we have communion services. Um, we have spontaneous meetings and things that happen um, just among members of the church, gatherings to to strengthen relationships that aren't even church-sponsored. All of those things, the way we do life is important to Christ, and we try to do it in such a way that conforms to the instructions and the principles that He provides for us in His Word. You know, the hope is that someone uh, would take that material, pray through it, think about it, and before God, decide if this is the church family that, that God would have them to be a part of. Uh, pray about it and, and decide, am I willing to commit based on Scripture and submit based on Scripture to this church family? And it's good to know that as a church at New Covenant Fellowship, and I think most churches would take the same stance, it's a scriptural assumption that if you're a believer, you're going to be a part of a church. It's just that it's that scriptural assumption and conviction that if you've been transformed by the blood of Christ and the spirit of God, that you are going to read his word and see the necessity and the importance of being connected to 
a church. So that's our assumption, whether it's this church or another church, it's very important for people to be connected to a church. Because we have in this church the purpose of we come together, we exalt God. That, that takes place every time we gather. We edify each other through preaching, hear, teaching, through praise and worship, we exalt God. And then evangelize the lost. So we would hope that at some point in our service, you would get a glimpse or hear the gospel. Witness the gospel and hear the gospel in some way about the saving grace of God. And that is the goal that we aspire to obtain to when we gather as the saints of God. So when we talk about the church, you know, it's something that's kind of like obvious. If I were to ask you, well, what's the church? You could probably give me a pretty accurate description. But then again, it's not so obvious because not all of theologians, you, you can take this scripture and that scripture, but what, what does it really look like to be a church? What's like the bare bones? What has to take place? Because a lot of the theologians that came before us had to wrestle with this. You know, is that a true church or is that considered church? Uh, for instance, a lot of times today I hear, uh, based on the scripture of Matthew, where two or three come together, there am I with them. We just had church. So if I meet Sam and, and Pate in Walmart and say, hey, guys, what y'all up to? And we're believers. You praising the Lord today? The Lord's with us, right? But do we just have church? Is that what church is? Is that God's presence when we just meet casually? Or does it need to be a little more officially? What is church? By the way, I would not call that church if we met in Walmart even. And sometimes you might see 10 people at New Covenant Fellowship at Walmart at the same time and never get out of there. You kind of avoid, you know, I just so that happens. But I wouldn't call that church even if you shared prayer requests and pray for each other. That's wonderful. That's the body of Christ. But that was not a church service. It's a little bit more than that. So if you talk to the church fathers, they would say you'd have to have these essentials. When you, when you gather, to really consider it a church gathering. And that is that we'd have to practice the sacraments at some point because they're direct commands in Scripture. Lord's Supper, we're going to do that this morning. That's an act of obedience. And you, you do that as gathered disciples. And baptism is another sacrament. It's an act of obedience. And it's something preferably done in, with the gathering of the saints because it's a public testimony. It's a public testimony of your confession of faith. And then the third kind of bare bones essential would be the preaching of the word. If you're going to come together, God's word needs to be preached or expounded. So you start with those ingredients and then some would add praise songs and so forth. And, but that's the, the essentials of what it means to come together. So we want to come together. We want to play our part in God's big plan and design for the church universal. So I want to talk about covenant classes this morning. But I want to get back to the idea of our roots and then pick it back up. This idea of covenant, what it means to be a member of a church or to be in covenant with a church. Because I started a teaching on our roots last time. And I took the big picture. So I want to talk about that, talk about our roots, and then go back into it. So when we think about, what, when I thought about this class, 
And who are we as New Covenant Fellowship? You know, if, I, if I wanted to explain to the world or to you, who are we? I just was so drawn back to the idea of, yeah, we can start with a point in time in the 80s when we actually became a church, and I will talk about that very shortly. But as the church, we, our roots are back in Genesis. And I just cannot, we, we cannot escape that fact. And it's very important for us as believers to find our identity, yes, among the, the, the present people of Christ that God has planted you among, but our roots go all the way back to the promise of God, what was spoken by God in the garden when man fell and disobeyed his commands because there was an alienation and a separation. And God made a promise just in seed form that scripture develops. We talked about this morning in Sunday school in Galatians where you are the uh, children of God if you are of faith from Abraham. And the Apostle Paul says that that was the gospel. God, Scripture spoke the gospel, the saving grace of God, to Abraham before Christ even came. What is that saying? It's, it's the gospel was a promise made and just uh, specified throughout the ages. God just made more promises and clarified exactly what it was going to look like. So our roots are found back in the promise that God will save sinful man. And if you remember in that, in Genesis, you have basically two promises of God. One was, if you sin, you die. And the second one was, I'm going to crush the serpent. I'm going to take care of what, your blooper, your big blooper. I'm going to redeem you. You're alienated. You're under the sentence of death. You're cursed. You must die by my law, my promise. But my promise is that I will save you and I will spare you and I will redeem you. And how does that take place? That promise is fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. Both promises of God made by God are fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. So he dies on behalf of humanity, the incarnation. He becomes man and he takes our penalty. So God keeps his promise. Yes, yes sin will be paid for. Your sin will be paid for. And was paid for by Jesus Christ. But then he also promises salvation. And Jesus lives that perfect life. The same man. He lives a perfect life. He obeys the Lord. He dies for our sins. He rises in victory. So that our sins are paid for. And we can be in fellowship with the Holy God. That we don't deserve to be relating to. And all of that happened because of Jesus Christ. That's our roots. That's every believer's roots. And in the Old Testament, they were saved by faith. They were saved by faith in God's word and the promise of God's word. They didn't know everything that we know today about how the gospel would be fulfilled. So I took it from the angle that you have the people of God. Our roots are in the people of God. The people of God in the Old Testament who live by faith. The people of God in the New Testament who live by faith. Jew and Gentile. Where the people of God, that's our roots. And we have them all the way back into Genesis. And we worship Christ because of what he has done for us. He died for us. And he promised us salvation, redemption, and eternal life. And he is worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our presence here this morning. He's worthy of whatever effort you can come here down 
just recovering from something, you can come here with, with a, a thousand burdens, tension, anxiety, and he is worthy of your worship. And he knows your heart. And he is who we turn to because he created us. And so we are the church in that sense. Jesus comes. He changes the way people worship him in the new covenant. It's, it's a transition. And you can't worship him with the methods of the old covenant anymore. We don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. We don't go to the temple in Jerusalem anymore. It's not there to even go to. It's changed. And so now we obey him still by faith. He's still the same God and still has to do with righteousness. His law, his moral law has not changed. We worship him in a different way. And so as he came and he preached the gospel, as he gathered about himself disciples, he taught them the way of the kingdom. This is what it looks like now. This is what I'm all about. I'm a king. And I am forming a people, a community in this world of darkness. And I'm opening eyes. And I'm delivering hearts and people from the bondage of sin. And that's going to look different from those that are not yet delivered from sin. So I think it's just important for us to always see ourselves as one part of God's big plan. Every church is one part of God's big plan. Or every, every church is a body within the body. So within this little body, we have legs and arms and the teaching in Corinthians about the body of Christ and how it serves God's purposes. You have different members. Feet, just like the body. We do different things. Tendons and muscles and so forth. So in this body, we have people with different gifts that God has given us and we serve in different ways. Turn it down. A little bit too loud. And also, this, this particular church is just one member of the church universal. And God uses different churches in different ways. We have the gifts that we have for a reason. And God glorifies himself in this way. But we all have Christ in common. We all have Holy Scripture in common. The Holy Spirit in common. We're all good right now. It's all right. It's important for everybody that is able to hear God's word. Be a part of the body of Christ. So originated for God's purpose. Uh-oh, now I can't hear it. So if we have, you take that, that idea and that understanding of the body of Christ and, and each church is a small sample of the majestic glory of God and what God can do in this world. You'll realize that we're, we're a network unified by the Holy Spirit. And God is serving his purpose in this world, his grand purpose, and he's using every true church to do it. And he's using this church. And we can't do it all by ourselves. We have to have other communities of believers that are doing their part, obeying the Lord in their way, based on what God has provided for them. So I think a good example, in order for us to serve God's purposes, is uh, sometimes you have, you know, churches have their own little uh, 
bent or, say, gifts that they can bring to the table. You have big gun churches. I'll just call them the big guns. Where there are needs in the kingdom that we can fulfill, our little body. And there are needs in the kingdom that you got. sometimes you got to bring out the big guns to fill that. So if I just used as an example, and I don't, I don't see uh, Jeff and Cookie here this morning. But if I use an example, um, what took place at Pickett with the relocation of the, of the, of the Afghans. And the tremendous, this momentary opportunity that God opened up to the body of Christ. It was a God thing serving his purpose where we have uh, Afghans coming here to our country. And it was an opportunity to witness Christ to them. It was an opportunity to uh, open their eyes or or show them the love of Christ by serving them in very practical ways. Um, I won't go through the whole story, but... Of course, Jeff has the Middle East roots and so forth. Uh, and by God's providence, things just started lining up. And next thing you know, he has a ministry going out there, including a sewing ministry and so forth. Um, and so there, it's kind of like day by day, they're figuring out what they need to make this happen. And so they called on our church. We needed, they needed this little church to help in very practical ways. Some of that might meant May, may have meant donating material. And uh, we saw a presentation Thursday night of some of the dresses that they made with that material. It's incredible what they could do. Measuring with their hands, not with tape measures and things like this. They just, uh, they're pretty experienced, put it that way. But you also had greater needs like transportation. So there were other churches and, and volunteers that came from churches all over the United States. That had experience and could speak some of the language. And they came to this place at this time to serve God's purpose. You had the, the big gun church in Virginia Beach, the chapel. And they, they poured resources and people in a, in a van so that people could be transported back and forth. So God just used all the different churches and the believers that he planted and, and congregated that could meet the needs of his purpose for that particular ministry that took place. It's over now. For, you know, Now it's, it's taken on a different meaning. People are being uh, relocated. But it's an example of how we can all play our part. There's always something that we can do. And if it's just donating material or if it's just praying, that's all very important to the big picture of how things happen. So I want us to understand our identity Uh, first and foremost, as the people of God. We're not the only people of God in the world. We're not Away County. We're not it. We're not the church. We're a part of a big network of the kingdom of God. Now, specifically, transition now, specifically, well, but how did we come into being? Like, how did this place arise and these particular people? That you can follow back to January 29th, 1984, in the home of Riley and Sylvia Bridgman, who happened to be here this morning by God's providence. Uh, They weren't living in a camper on their property. They were actually living in the home on their property at that time. And there were local believers, I want to say from a few different counties, that uh, went to different churches but were like-minded in ministry, 
and they began to meet together and fellowship together. And I think at first they went to their churches, but then they would get together in addition to uh, going to their churches. And they just formed a, a like-mindedness in a lot of ways and decided that they were going to, that they wanted to become their own church. Their numbers had grown. They were a small group of believers, and they decided that they wanted to become their own church, and that officially. And that decision took place in the living room at Raleigh and Sylvia Bridgman's house, January 29th, 1984. And so at that meeting, um, Kirk, Pastor Kirk had already been doing teaching and things like that. Neil Owen had been leading in worship when they got together. And so they decided to become a church. They called uh, Neil and Kirk as their pastors, uh, Kirk being the, the lead pastor. And so um, Kirk served, Pastor Kirkendall served in that way for 20 years, beginning that one day in the living room at the Bridgman home. They became a church. And they also at that meeting, if I remember correctly, even decided on the name of what the church would be. And it was New Covenant Fellowship was the name that they decided on. So there was a point in time where the seeds of this church were planted in that home. And then, uh, so they began to meet in homes because they're a new church. They didn't have a place to meet. So they met in homes. They had Sunday school in homes, church services at homes. And then as it grew later on, they rented a place. Well, they also met in the um, Cornerstone Coffee House and crew for a while. Uh, as they outgrew the homes, they met there for a while. Then rented a church here at the courthouse for a while. And then eventually in 1993, I believe it was. Huh? Looking at Corky. I have it in here somewhere, but I'm not really following my notes very closely this morning. 19, uh, somebody might know. Was it 1993 that this property? Well, I looked it up and it's in my notes, but I don't see it. It's either 92 or 93, and God knows. Now, I have 93 in my notes, actually. So 92 or 93, where one of the members of this new church, New Covenant Fellowship, uh, moved here from Virginia Beach, that's a story within itself, and donated this property for ministry purposes. And so uh, first it was just the property, and this was not the first building built, by the way. Uh, The church members met back there at the pavilion area at first. So there was fellowship that took place first. Then came, uh, so we use this property for ministry purposes, but then came the actual plans and the implementation of this church building. And so this church building was built. Um, A lot of the members back then all pitched in. They brought what construction skills they had, whether it was painting or trim work. Uh, Raleigh Bridgman at that time did a lot of landscaping work. And had the vision for all this landscaping here. Spent hours and hours. Uh, Dwight Ray was a visionary for the building. And, and came out here and worked countless hours. There just was a lot of sacrifices. And many, many others did a lot of work out here. There were many sacrifices. And this church is paid for. You know, we, we, we worship today and stand on the shoulders of those saints that came before us. And played their part 
obeyed the Lord to the best of their ability, brought what they had to the table, and so now we're able to worship in this place, and we have financial freedom to do that. Um, and we, just to show you that we believe in the identity of the body of Christ, is we, you know, the, the funds that come in here, we also give to other ministries because we realize we can't do all the work by ourselves. So when we see another ministry that's able to fill a need in the kingdom of God, we give towards that to the best of our ability. And missions has that responsibility. Um, our missions committee weighs all those, all those opportunities out and prays through them. And so the funds come and they go for the glory of God. Now, one thing I will say, and um, some of you may know this and some of you may not, but you might think, well, this is kind of a funny looking church. Because it really looks like a house or more like a lodge. And you're exactly right. You don't have to feel bad having those thoughts. This church was built originally under the ministry center vision of building this building temporarily to meet in as a church. Then building a more official looking and functioning church building where this building would be transformed into a lodge for ministry center purposes, where we would host retreats, marriage retreats, and things like that. And so between each window would be a wall, and this would be the hallway, and there would be bedrooms in here for retreat purposes. So there's a whole other vision for ministry center purposes, cabins around the pond, and so forth. That has not come to fruition, we still meet in this um, this building right now, but that's why it looks the way it does. So there's that the whole other story. I won't take the time for the ministry center, but we've been very blessed. You know, we formed as a church, and by the way, it's it blows my mind that I actually was there in the living room at the Bridgmans that night as a new believer. I didn't know what was going on about anything. I didn't really know the Lord well at all. I didn't know these people. I didn't know anything about really about church and things. And here they are making these decisions. We're going to become a church, and they're deciding on a name. And I was just shaking my head whenever they asked me a question. Yeah, sure, whatever. And uh, so I, I got to watch the delivery. I was in the delivery room of this church. That was pretty, pretty cool. Um, so Pastor Kirk served for twenty years. Before he retired. And I'm on year, I'm the second pastor of this church. Uh, and on year 18. So two more to go, right? Let's see. Uh oh. So, church membership, covenant class. Two things working. Church membership, let's be honest, it's not a very popular thing anymore. In our time and day, it's like, what? why are you still talking about church membership? And here's two reasons why it's not very popular. First of all, you know, starting in the 60s, we kind of lost our trust in anything institutionalized and authorities. You know, it was the free age where you did your own thing. We don't trust anybody anymore, especially institutions, and uh, that played into church institutions, the church as an institution or as an authority structure. And so people aren't real big about making commitments to institutions or authorities in that sense. And the second argument against uh, church membership 
is that you don't even find the term in the Bible. And in order for me to stay true to Scripture, God's holy word, I can't be a member of this church because it's not even in Scripture. And it's true. You're not going to, you can search in vain for the, the Greek word church membership and you won't find it in Scripture. However, you will find church membership in the Scripture, just not with that, those words. And I will try to make that case to you this morning. So I would say, first of all, for those leery about authorities and institutions, yeah, we know. We live in a sinful, broken world, and people abuse authority. And it's not right. Companies do it. Governments do it. Churches do it. And so, but that doesn't mean that the whole structure, families do it. But that doesn't mean that God's design and structure for authority structures and institutions such as the church and government and families is a bad idea. It just means we need to be careful in doing it to preserve it, put checks and balances up, right? So we have, in the church, we have accountability. We have people in each other's lives. We have other eyes looking into things. Why? Because we don't trust our own hearts, Why don't we trust our own hearts? Because Scripture tells us not to trust our own hearts. We need other people to help us do our jobs. So we don't want to throw that out. And then secondly, of course, the idea of church membership. The word in that order is not in there, but the concept and what they did in real life is absolutely in there. People are members. When you become a believer, you are a member, and Scripture does use that word, of the body of Christ. We're all apart. And you can't get any more connected than that. The body of Christ, the church, is the most unified, connected thing in this world. Even surpassing biological connection. So that, that's the church is our greatest hope for peace and unity. And we don't always do a great job at it, but this is the greatest hope in this world for peace and unity. So, with that in mind, what is a church covenant? Why would I want anything to do with a church covenant? Help me understand what a church covenant is. Here's where I want to read this scripture. Just, I could have chosen a lot of different scriptures. Noah already read it. Um, But it's just a launching pad. It's just one scripture of many that shows the importance of God's, and, and, and God's design for believers not to just stay Separate, but to come together in community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It was very obvious that even in the very beginning stages that the believers They were grouping themselves, or the assembly, the ecclesia, they were assembling themselves under Christ. They were assembling themselves in order to grow in Christ, in order to hear what Christ has to say for them through the word. And in order to see Christ at work, the Holy Spirit, in their own lives. To watch the transformation of God and the power of God in other people's lives. What is God doing? So they got together with that understanding And it wasn't good to not get together, to neglect getting together. It was a good thing to come together. So a church covenant covenant is a statement or a description of how we agree to live before God together. In essence, it's what it is. It's an agreement. Yes, I agree. Scripture says this. 
I agree this is binding in Scripture. And based on Scripture, we will come together and do life, assemble, and relate to one another on these terms. Just It's an agreement on how we're going to live. So, for instance, even in the secular world, uh, take the world of prof- professional sports. If you're going to play on a certain pro team, NFL team, there, there's an agreement that you have to sign that you're entering into. And they say, this is the name of our team, and this is how we want to be represented to the world. And you have to agree to behave in a certain way so that you properly represent us. There's a code that we have here. And no matter how talented you are in athletics, if you break this code, this agreement, we're going to have to let you go. You can't be associated. You can't gather, if you will, with us anymore. This happens. This happens. Um, Also in the business world, in order to be a part of certain companies, you have to sign an agreement or agree to the terms, the code of behavior, the, the, the vision and the policy of the company. You are agreeing to the whole thing or you will be let go. So the idea of unity and solidarity is nothing new. It's a practical thing. But when it comes to the church, that's what we're doing. But it's under God. It has a spiritual aspect to it where we basically say, yes, I see what God has spoken. I am going to obey it in this way, and we will gather together and play our part as the body of Christ in that way. It's the uh, one theologian calls church membership the ethical counterpart to a confession of faith. In other words, you can't just say you're a Christian. It doesn't work that way. You have to live it. And so James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion's worthless. So if we say we're a Christian, then we're going to do what the Bible tells us that Christians do. And this is the, what the Bible tells us that Christians do. We gather together. Now we have our individual lives. Jesus talked about it. Go to your prayer closet. Not everybody, you know, the world doesn't need to know about your giving. The world doesn't need to know about this. That's just between you and God. Let's do that in secret. But then there's the corporate life. No, 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 don't do that in secret. Come here as the body of Christ. And this is to be done in congregationally with the singing and the sacraments and so forth. The encouragement of one another. So covenant class is based on what scripture says. It's not like the elders of a church say, well, this would be a good idea to bind the people with. And you got to dress this way. And you can only shop here and so forth. It's not that that we're agreeing to. It's all based on God's word and we're all submitted to it. We're all accountable to obey it. So it's it's a commitment. Now it's a voluntary commitment in the sense that you're not bound to join this church. It's voluntary in that you can before God see what your options are out there, but you want to commit to some church. But when you commit to a church, it's, it's voluntary. We don't make you commit to this church. Your commitment is between God. A church covenant keeps us accountable to one another to live according to Scripture, to live according to what we say we believe and give towards. A church covenant allows us to speak into one another's lives. It allows us to encourage one another based on Scripture. It allows us to confront one another based on Scripture. So in short, 
a, a written a covenant or a membership class or however you want to define it. It's a written statement of what we believe and how we're going to live as God's people. It is a commitment on your part or my part before God to commit to a certain localized body of believers. And it is a method designed by God in order for us to grow and encourage one another and also discourage things in our lives that are not of God. If you read our material, that's what you will find in the book. So the covenants, of course, this idea of covenant just simply comes from um, the idea of agreement and commitment. Now, you have the big covenants in Scripture, the old and the new. But based on the new covenant, Jesus coming and forming a peculiar people, as Peter says, there's a new way to do things. We are making agreement as God's children. I'm one of his children, and so I want to covenant with you and commit to you to do church, to assemble, and to live my life in the way that God has asked me to do. That I, I, We need each other in order to obey the Lord and to grow in the Lord. It's that simple. So God calls us to do that. Let me give you a couple examples and we'll, and we'll wind it down. So in Matthew, there's this, by the way, there's just, there's just assumption in Scripture that people are getting together in all the New Testament books. In Matthew 18, 15 through 7, Jesus teaches that we as brothers and sisters are to live in peaceful relationships. We're to live in harmony. And sometimes that requires, when we blow it, asking each other's forgiveness. Sometimes it requires that we confront one another and that we share what has happened uh, between us. And not um, not only does a, a transgression, when you are covenant together when you're agreeing to do life together not only does a transition uh, harm just the individuals it if it gets out of hand it can potentially harm the entire church and the witness of christ so jesus says in matthew 18 to to go to people to go to that brother let them know about the sin in their lives and then in verse 17 if he refuses to listen to them tell it to the church. So there's the church right there in Matthew 18. It's the gathering, it's the ecclesia. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a gentile and a tax uh, tax collector. So there are benefits and and stipulations to be the body of Christ that that it can get to the point where if we refuse to repent and obey the Lord anymore, then we can't have those benefits of the children of God. Another example is in 1 Corinthians 5, where there was the brother in the church who was doing something that was even shocking to the pagans, and it was reported that there's sexual immorality among you of a kind that's not tolerated even among the pagans. And for a man as his father's wife, and Are you arrogant? Ought you not to rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. So they're they're gathering together and they're in at least this kind of relationship where they're intimate enough to know what is going on in each other's lives. And the Apostle Paul says if you know these things, they need to be confronted. They need to be challenged because we want this person to be redeemed and restored to God in holiness 
because it can ruin the witness or damage at least the witness of the church. So there's this constant interaction with individuals and those as we are accountable to the gathering of God's people, the church, the leaders of the church. Uh, uh, the, the whole idea of from among you is the understanding that you are getting together with one another. So that is the idea of a church covenant. So let me just close with a few conclusions. First of all, and this is very, should be very obvious, you have to be a true believer to join a church. You can attend a church. We'd love for you to attend a church. If you're wondering or if you're thinking about it, uh, if your parents say you got to come with us to church, you, then go to church. My parents drug me to church, and sometimes I liked it and sometimes I didn't, but it bore fruit. But anyway, in order to enter into a covenant like this, you need to be a true believer, needless to say. It doesn't do any good to sign a paper if you're not a true believer. Uh, second, it can only be kept by the power of God. It kind of goes along with Galatians chapter 3. You don't start your relationship by works. You start it by the power of God. In order for us to, to do Christian life and community life properly, we have to depend on the Holy Spirit. We start our Christian life that way. We end our Christian life that way. It's an act of God. It's a grace of God. And third, uh, we need to carry this mindset of the importance of church no matter where we go. So whether we're here, if we move somewhere else, find another church. Look around, pray, and seek. But understand this mindset of the importance of church isn't just for this area or for this church. It's for wherever we go. If you decide that you're, you're going to move, you're going to leave, you're looking at other churches, please let us know. Please, as a courtesy, let us know what you're thinking. If you're, you know, there, there are people that just out of the blue stop coming and never say a word to anybody about it. And we have to try to figure out what, you know, what happened. Is this on good terms, bad terms? And sometimes it, it could be either or both. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But out of courtesy, keep us posted periodically of what your status is. Now, recently, um, Michelle sent out some letters inquiring of people's status. People come and go to church, and that's fine. You can come here and check us out and decide that we're not for you. Uh, some people have come here for a while, and then we haven't seen you for a while. So every year, we, in order to edit our directory, who's with us? Are you still with us? Where are you before God in this body? We send out letters inquiring of your status. And we just want to know what's going on. You still want to be a part. You still want to be on the, in the directory. You still want to get emails and so forth like that. So she sent that out, and uh, we got zero responses. Zero. I mean, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I'm, I use that as an example of this looseness of the idea of, this, of being a part of something. Um, so let us know. We don't do things perfect either, but let us know. If you would, where, what you're thinking, um, or let me know what you're thinking, or if you're going to be gone for a while, or if this is not the church for you, and things like that. Just keep honorable, courteous, peaceful relationships in the sight of God. So biblical membership, it matters to God. It's a spiritual discipline. Being here is God's means of grace to you. It's God's means of grace. It's not easy, especially the, 
more authority you're given in, in church, by the way, the harder it gets to do church life because you have responsibilities. But it is absolutely necessary and, in the big picture, absolutely rewarding. So I close with this. I have served, this has been my main church since I've been a true believer, absolutely, other than when I went to college for four years in South Carolina. So I have been in this church in every capacity. I sat there as a new believer with my head speak, spinning sometimes when Pastor Kirk was given a teaching out of Scripture. I had no idea what the Scriptures meant or why it was important. So I've been at every stage, new believer. Uh, I, I've, I've also served this body as a Sunday school teacher, teaching little kids all the way up to adults. At one time, I served this body as a, as a youth leader and as an elder and as, for a very short time, an associate pastor. And now I've served, I serve this body as a pastor. I've been there in every level and served on in every conceivable way. And I can honestly say that I would not be where I am with Christ if I had not done that, if I had not been a part and, and just stepped out in the way God called or read his word and say, OK, I can do that or I can't do that, but you can do it through me. All of this, I would not be where I am in Christ had I not obeyed the Lord and been a part of this body and been accountable. I've had people before I was a pastor on every level. I've had people in this church confront me about things. In different levels. I've had lots of encouragement from this church. Lots of help in every way, monetary, practical, whatever. I have been very, very well served throughout my walk with God uh, by people in this church. And there's just no way I would be where I am in Christ without it. So it's, it's, I'm a living example of the importance of entering into a commitment with like-minded believers based on the word of God. And the truth of God and the spirit of God. May God be honored and bless the preaching of his word. And now we have an opportunity to spur one another on through song and partaking of the Lord's Supper.